Today, I want to start talking with you about our vision, our vision as a church family. And our vision is that thing that helps us accomplish our mission. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about our mission of making more and better disciples. Well, I want to talk with you about our vision and how we're going to accomplish that mission. And our vision is to simply move beyond ourselves, to think beyond ourselves, to move beyond ourselves. Our vision is to move beyond ourselves by creating opportunities for others, opportunities that will help this church family build relationships with more people in our community who do not yet have a church home or a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this part of our vision is something that God gave to me for this church before we ever opened our doors in 1990, almost 25 years ago. God spoke this vision into my heart. It's still brewing in my heart, and it's still a part of what I think God wants us to accomplish. But God wants us to get beyond ourselves. You see, a lot of churches today, they just kind of get focused on themselves. We live in a very selfish culture. It's all about our stuff and our house and our car and what we're going to do and where we're going to go. And so God is speaking to our hearts about moving beyond that kind of thinking and thinking more about those who don't yet have Jesus Christ in their hearts. I'd like to begin with this verse that's the foundation verse for our, our mission and our vision. The Bible says, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That means we as disciples of Jesus, we've got to start looking beyond ourselves and our own interests and create opportunities for others. That means that we can't just look at our own interests, but instead look beyond ourselves and create things that interest other people so that one day we could have built such a relationship with them, one day we'd have an opportunity to share with them what Jesus has done in our lives. And we do all of that because we value them. And we want them to spend eternity in heaven with us. The question is, what opportunities can we create that will interest others, that will catch their interests? Well, there's a lot of things we could do as a church family. There's a lot of things we could create. But what can we do right here in our community as well as in other places, that would value others beyond ourselves and care about their interests? Well, first of all, we can create opportunities for others by building a community center, by building a community center. And you've heard me talk about this over the years. It's always been a part of our, our master vision, master plan. But this is one way that we can engage the interests of others in our sports and activity-obsessed Orange County. Amen? <laughs> we live in a sports and activity-obsessed culture in your Belinda, Anaheim Hills, Corona, Orange County. We do. And many of you have heard me say before that when God called me to start this church, part of his vision was a church that would welcome this community into a community center type of environment. Now, lots of churches have 
multi-purpose spaces. A lot of churches have gymnasiums, but most all of them are always locked up. And the only people that can play there or have activities there are those who attend the church. And if you don't attend the church, you're not allowed to use that space. And God, over the years, began to speak with me about a design. And over the years, we've had different designs and different concepts. But he began to speak to my heart about a design that would not only benefit all the ministries and things that we do here already as a church family, but a design that would bless others in our community, that would welcome them and say, we value you here. We want you here. What could we do that would send that kind of a message? Well, we believe we need to develop an open space that's not closed to the community. So can you envision this property day after day hosting people from our community who don't yet have a church home, don't have a church family? Can you begin to envision those same people one day walking into one of our worship services? Because by coming here for some fun, they found that this is not only a place you go, but they found some people they love, some people they built relationship with, some people who were interested in them and their interests and their lives. And so I believe building an open-air, park-like community center is one way for us as a church family to move beyond ourselves and create opportunities for others, to serve children and youth and adults in this community. So I'm going to share some pictures with you because we've changed the design. And so, first of all, this is kind of a bird's eye look of how we'd like to develop this grass area to my right, to your left, this entire grass area yet to be developed. We'd like to have this kind of development take place over here. Next slide shows you if you walk out the sanctuary doors this morning and you look to your right, that's kind of what you would see from the front door view. You'd see this open, beautiful court uh, where people would want to hang out with a cup of Starbucks. Amen? And uh, it'd be a, just a beautiful sight. But then you look at the next, and we're going to call this our hospitality court, all right? Uh, guest central hospitality court. Move all the coffees over there. And I, I, I like it, the fact that a really big counter can hold lots of food. Amen? Amen? And when we do all of our outdoor food events, this is going to be a place where we can uh, begin to host all of those things. But it's going to allow more shade, more seating, more food. And we're even planning on having an outdoor TV because we're coming up times when we have some funerals, we have some weddings, and sometimes some of our special uh, seasonal services where we just can't get everybody in. And it'd be nice to have an opportunity when we need an overflow that they could watch the service out there and listen out there. And how many say, I'd like that with a cup of coffee in my hand? Yeah, I could just sit out there and watch. And so we'd like to offer that kind of an opportunity. And then we move into what we're calling an activity court for all of our outdoor activities. And we want to have a place that can have basketball and volleyball and soccer and pickleball. You know, any kind of event that you can imagine can be played on this court. And we're planning to have a court that's a cushioned kind of a court, professional cushioned kind of a court with all the lines and stripes of any court that, that you'd ever be on. And yet it's an outdoor court that takes the weather, it takes the sun, it takes, takes the water, it takes all... Do we ever get rain in California? 
but it takes all of that and it drains it underneath the court so there's not a slipping problem. It's, a, it's just a wonderful cushion thing. And so we've got this dream, and I've got this dream, of when we dismiss a service, that all at once moms and dads can go out to the food court and get a cup of coffee and a little pastry, and they have some kids over here in a play structure and some kids over here. I just like to throw out the basketballs as soon as service is done. And Shirley and I used to pastor in a small church in Kansas, and we noticed that at that church, the fellowship level was just so high, we could never get anybody to go home. And then we realized what it was. After every service, people tossed basketballs out into the gym that we had at that church, and the kids were happy. When kids are happy, mom and dad's happy. Amen? <laughs> and so people just didn't want to leave because the fellowship was great. Mom and dad had a break. Kids were having fun. And I want church to be a place where we not only teach God's word clearly and effectively, but where we have fun. Amen? Amen? Where kids can grow up with this idea that loving God and knowing God and God's family is a great thing. And so we want to have that kind of a, even a Sunday morning kind of a thing happening. It's going to be a cushion court. We don't want our kids going out there and bonking their heads when they die for a volleyball, that they're not going to skin their knee. It's going to be a cushion kind of a court that uh, all of these kind of things can take place on. There's another uh, little view. I don't know if that's me or Carl standing out there or not, but uh, another little view uh, looking back towards the hospitality court. And so just lots of dreams and visions about what we can do at this location in that place to get beyond ourselves value others, and care about their interests. Next slide shows this. We call this kind of the transition slide between the, the hospitality court and the playground court and uh, just want to have some more shade area. Then we move on to the play court view. And this is going to be uh, uh, kind of a what I call a park quality play structure, not a dinky little place. We're talking about a massive awesome play structure that we can't just keep Miss Pam off of, all right? <laughs> uh, just, it's just going to be great, great structure out there. And so we want that kind of a quality that everybody can have a good time on. And then if, back to the last little view is a food counter view. And I like that because our architect, Bill Hesmahal, drew a really big food counter to hold lots of food. Amen? <laughs> going to have a big food counter to hold lots and lots of food. Well, this month, I'm going to begin and continue talking about how we can plan to move forward and build this kind of a community center, park-like center, sooner than later, because we believe we've come up with a plan that will allow us to do this sooner than later. That's one way that we can get beyond ourselves. Next way we can get beyond ourselves is this, starting a new church. Starting a brand new church from scratch attracts more people and actually produces more new Christians or disciples than any other venture any church does. Now, as most of you know, we're now pregnant again with our next church. We're now pregnant as a, as a mother church with our next child, our next church. And we're getting ready to start a new church in the Fresno, Clovis, California area. Most of you know that we've sent Pastor David and Lisa Hopper up to Clovis, Fresno area to be church planters. And this new church is going to be called Valley Friends Church because that whole San Juan Keen Valley, our vision is to not start just one church, but several churches up there to really impact that entire valley. And so the model that we're using is called the pioneer model. And so we've sent out two pioneers, David and Lisa and their kids, and they're out there pioneering in Clovis and Fresno area. 
And they're gathering a core team right now to start this new church. They're meeting with people uh, almost daily, one-on-one, brand new people, don't have a church home, one-on-one, and they're inviting them to join their team. And they're hosting dinners and worship services on Friday nights where they focus on building relationships, casting vision for this new church, and then building ministry teams, finding people's gifts and building ministry teams. And when Pastor David was here last week, didn't share a lot of numbers with you, but you need to understand, they've really only been at this. They moved in July, so August and September, they've been working hard. They already have a core team of 70 adults and 20 children. Amen? So they're, they're doing well. They're off to a great start. And our goal is to have 150 people by launch time that's on their core team. And so their core team is becoming a reality, so keep praying for them. So they're pioneers. Now, they're still, David is still on our staff, but his focus has shifted to church planter. And so he's coming back each month to update all of you to meet with our elders because our elders are overseeing and guiding this entire planting process. And then we're going to send our very first serving team up to help him with reaching, reaching that community at the end of this month, October 24 and 25, you're going to have a shot at driving up on a Friday night, serving on a Saturday, and coming back home on a Saturday night, a shot at helping him reach that community. And then we project to launch this new church in May of 2015. Folks, starting a new church is one way for us to move beyond ourselves and create new opportunities for other people. Next, a third way. We can create opportunities for others by developing a cash flow. And everybody goes, oh, man. That's not ex- as exciting as a community center and an activity court and a food court and, and, and a starting a new church. But a cash flow fund ensures that our core ministries will have the cash flow needed to fund our ministries, to never let them go without what they need. You see, the question is, what can a church do when there's a low-giving weekend or when a holiday comes around and, and summer comes around and people go out of town and they go, oh, man, I forgot to send in my tithe or I forgot to give it online. Well, typically, a business owner arranges a line of credit that he can tap in those times of slow pay to flow cash into his business to keep his business moving forward and to keep it financially stable. But then whatever amount he uses in that that line of credit, he's then charged interest on that amount until it's all paid back. Well, as a church, we feel that the very best kind of stewardship is to not go out and get a line of credit and then pay interest and use God's money, God's resources to pay interest until it's all paid back. Instead, we feel that the best financial practice is for us to develop and maintain our own fund to use in those slower giving times. And because it's our fund, we don't have to waste God's resources on paying interest. Now, some people might want to call this a reserve fund or a savings account, but I've used this term cash flow fund because it represents exactly what it would be used for, to flow cash into our own general fund during times of low giving so that any and all ministries can keep moving forward instead of being hindered or hampered or harmed in some way. And sometimes, to be honest, in those low giving times, we've just got to stop some things. 
We've got to stop letting the community know that we still exist. We've got to stop marketing. We've got to stop paying some of our missionaries and church planters until money comes in. There's just all kinds of things that have to stop that we don't want to have hindered or stopped. And so developing a cash flow fund is one way for us to move beyond ourselves and think about all of those people that are being impacted when we have slow giving and then instead create opportunities for others. Now, the truth is these three things, a community center, a new church, and a cash flow fund will allow us to move beyond ourselves and create more opportunities for others. You see, like Jesus, we have to keep our focus on serving the interests and needs of others. And the scripture says, even above our own interests and needs. But here's the interesting thing. Scripture also teaches that when we give outside of ourselves, what does God give to us? Everything we need. Amen? So when we keep that outward focus and we keep looking out and helping out with others, even beyond this church family, then God comes right around the other side and he says, now let me meet your needs. So moving beyond ourselves in these ways is our vision, but it's also our challenge that we've got to decide, are we going to take this challenge or not? Listen, whenever God gives a challenge to his pastors and to his people, God also gives those people a choice. We've got a choice. They can choose to move forward or to move backward. Some move forward, but some look at the challenge and they see the problems and they choose then to move backward instead. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. Exactly. So today I want to tell you a story about the challenge that God gave to the Israelites and a choice that they made. It's a story about the 12 spies that God sent to spy on the land of Canaan, the promised land. God had delivered the Israelites from the land of Egypt. God had sustained them in the desert land. And now God had promised them that they could live in a bountiful land called Canaan or the promised land. So when they came close to Canaan, get this, when they came close to Canaan land, Moses sent 12 spies into the land to take a look around. And when they all came back, they were buzzing about how awesome this Canaan land really was. In fact, two of them said, let's go up and take possession now. We can do it. Let's go. But 10 of those 12 spies said, let's not. The city walls, we've seen them. They're really tall. The people, they're big. They're big people. They're giants. We can't do it. Now, listen, God's plan for them was challenging, but it was their choice. They could choose to move forward or move backward. Well, when it came to Israel living in Canaan, you need to understand this, God had already promised it. When it came to living in Canaan, God had already told them to go up and possess it and take it. When it came to living in Canaan, God had already given them a vision about a better future in it. But they chose to move backward. The truth is this, Israel backed up because they looked at the land with the wrong kind of eyes, the wrong kind of eyes. Somebody asked Helen Keller, what's worse than being blind? And she said to have sight, but no vision. To have sight, but no vision. In the Christian community around the world, too often God's people have no vision. Or we don't look at God's plan with eyes of faith. Now, up to this point, Israel had walked by faith. As Moses led them out of Egypt, they walked by faith in God. 
No matter what they needed, no matter how bad things looked, they looked at things with faith in God. They trusted God for everything until they came to the Jordan River. There they stood on one side of the river and they looked across at the promised land, the land of Canaan, and they stood on that other side of the river and they looked across the river and they had a choice to make. Are we going to move forward or backward? And all they had to do was trust God one more time. God had never failed them. He had provided everything for them. All they had to do was trust God one more time. But there at the edge of the Jordan River, there at the edge of the greatest opportunity they've ever had in their lives, they decided to no longer walk by faith, but walk by sight. They decided to let what they saw with their eyes determine what they would do. As, as you listen to our vision, our challenge this morning, did you listen? Did you look with eyes of fear or eyes of faith? Did you look with eyes of fear because maybe the challenges look great? Maybe the cost looked great? The bottom line is people can and people should move forward with God in faith. But the Israelites didn't. Write this down. First of all, 10 spies, 10 of those 12 spies had eyes of fear. Not eyes of faith, but eyes of fear. They allowed the problems they saw to outweigh the possibilities. They chose to see with eyes of fear, and because of that, there were three negative things that took place. Write this down. First, they underestimated what their God could do. They underestimated their almighty God. This God that had been doing miracle after miracle for them in, in the desert, for some reason, all at once, they decided, God can't do this. <laughs> it's too big for our God to do. And they underestimated God. Look at what the Bible says. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And look at the next word. But <laughs> the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Termites, they all live there. In the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And as they looked at the opportunities in front of them, these people, they saw how good the opportunities could be, but they focused on how big and bad the people could be. They focused on the problems, not the possibilities. And notice in the report, they talked about the people, they talked about the fruit, they talked about the cities, but they never once mentioned their almighty God and God's promise to give them the promised land. They totally forgot God. The question is, how could they have forgotten about the power of their God? I mean, God had raised up Moses to lead them from Pharaoh's hand and Egypt land, to lead them out of Pharaoh's hand and Egypt land. 
God had sent lice and frogs and blood and death to convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. They had just seen God part the Red Sea and drown Pharaoh's soldiers by closing the sea. God had just sent a pillar of fire to guide them by night and a cloud to guide them by day. God had just sent manna and quail for them to eat every day in the desert. God had just made water gush out of a desert rock so that they could drink. They had seen their God do miracle after miracle. How could they forget the power of Almighty God? But they did. And their eyes of fear and their lack of faith displeased God. Look at this. God says, not one of the men, not one of the ten men who saw my glory and all of those miraculous signs that I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, ten spies, ten men tested him. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Their eyes of fear caused them to underestimate what their almighty God could continue to do. And then next, write this down, and what they could do. They underestimated what they could do. The Bible says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do this. But the men who had gone up with him, the other 10, said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And then the news spread among the Israelites, a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So the 10 who brought back this bad report continued to spread the bad news and the bad report among everybody in the Israelite camp. And they said, they're big, we're small, they're strong, we're weak, they're giants, we're like grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers instead of the people of Almighty God. And sometimes we fall into that trap as Christians. But God wanted them to step up and take the land he'd promised. God wanted them to move forward into greater possibilities. But it was their choice. Now, they could move back into the desert land, or they could move forward into the promised land. Because of their eyes of fear, they underestimated what God could do, what they could do, and then write this down, and what their decision could do. Their lack of faith spread like a disease and infected the people in the camp. And their decision had three negative results. Their decision brought discouragement. Discouragement among the people of the Israelite camp. The Bible says that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Why? Because the promise that God had made to their forefathers now looked like it was gone, like it would never be. They were always heading to this promised land of God, and now it was gone. The eyes of fear from the ten spies brought discouragement. But next, the decision brought discontentment. Take a look at this. 
discontentment. The Bible says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole community said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in the desert, their eyes of fear brought discontent. Third, their wrong decision brought then defeat. Defeat. Discouragement, discontent, defeat. The Bible says this. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So look at this. God had given them a leader to take them out of slavery, but now they wanted another leader to take them back into slavery. I don't know what they were thinking. God gave them a leader in Moses to lead them into the greatest days and opportunities of their lives, but now they wanted another leader to move them back where they were. Ten spies with eyes of fear brought discouragement, discontentment, and defeat to the people. But two spies, write this down, two spies had eyes of faith. Sometimes it only takes one or two with a vision and with faith to bring greater opportunities. Two did not let the problems outweigh the possibilities. But what were the results of these two spies with eyes of faith? Write these down. First, their faith gave them courage. The, the faith of these two spies gave the Israelite camp, the people in the camp, courage. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we should go up and do this. Second, their faith gave them confidence, confidence in God once again. Look at what the Bible says. Then Caleb, one of the two who had eyes of faith, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So Caleb st stood against all the other 10 spies that were filled with fear and bad report. He stood up against those other spies and he gave a good report. Now, Caleb saw the same problems, but he saw to look with, with eyes of faith in his greater God. And Caleb's faith gave the people courage and confidence. And it also gave them the land of Canaan. Write that down, the land of Canaan. Those who had eyes of faith and believed that God and what he had promised he would deliver would get to live in the promised land, Canaan land. Now look at the outcomes of the 10 who had eyes of fear and the two who had eyes of faith. Very different. The Bible says this. The men Moses had sent to explore the land, the 10 who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it, these men, responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua and Caleb, the two who had eyes of faith, only those two survived. Which team you want to join, people? <laughs> eyes of fear or eyes of faith? God struck down those who had no faith in his power or his promise. Folks, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let's make four observations as we close. First of all, all the spies who had the same experience, they all had the same experience. They all saw the same land, the same people, the same city walls, the same fruit. They, they all saw the same stuff. 
Yet only two chose to see with eyes of faith. Those who chose to see with eyes of faith also saw the potential problems. They weren't blind. They saw that the people were big. They saw that the walls were tall. But they saw those things and they chose to believe their God as greater than the rivers and the cities and the giants. So when it comes to our vision here as a church family, when it comes to our challenge of building a community center and a new church and developing a cash flow fund, we've got to move beyond any fears that our adversary tries to put into our hearts and minds. We've got to move beyond our fears about the size of the project or the potential problems of the projects. And instead, trust God who wants us to move beyond ourselves to provide greater opportunities for those who don't yet know Jesus, who live all around us in our communities. And yet, there will be costs, yes, there will be challenges, yes, but our God is great enough to give us the victory. Amen? Amen. Second, 10 spies chose security over success. They chose to remain secure on the bank of the Jordan River, still in the desert, overtaking a risk to secure God's best for them. Wow. Security over success. Third, God allowed their choice to stand. You see, if we, wanna, if we don't want to do what God wants us to do, God is going to say, okay. That's okay. He'll not force his people to move forward. He will allow his people to move backward. And there are churches all over the world that are dying today because they will not move forward in faith to do what God is calling them to do. And here's the scary thing. If we choose to live lives of no faith and we will not move forward to do what God wants us to do, then God removes his presence and his blessing. And he's done that from lots of churches in America. Look at this. After the people slept on their decision to not move forward, guess what happened? They changed their minds. They decided to rise up and take the land. But look at what the Bible says about that. Early the next morning, they went up toward the high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he'll not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up to the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Folks, we must always choose to move forward and do what God wants us to do when he wants us to do it. Amen? When we move forward in faith, God is with us and we win. But when we don't move forward, we lose God's presence and blessing and we lose. Fourth, their perspective caused defeat. How they saw things, not so much what they saw, but how they saw things is what defeated them. 
What God wants are people with eyes of faith who are willing to move forward in faith, opening up new opportunities and new possibilities that interest others so that they'll one day invite Christ into their lives. So church, I believe we are now standing at the edge of our Jordan River. I think it's time for new ventures of faith. I believe it's time to cross into a better future. It's time for us to build that community center for a greater impact in our community. It's time to invite more people to Jesus through a new church. It's time for us to ensure funding for all of our ministries through a cash flow fund. So the question again is not, can God help us do this? It's not, can God enable us to do these things? The question is, will we choose to do it? Will we have eyes of faith or eyes of fear? Will we move forward or will we move backward? I want to encourage you this morning to help us move forward, to help us really get beyond ourselves, our church family, our interests. I encourage you to help us do something to impact others. I encourage you to trust God for some bigger things. In fact, I encourage you to live such a life of faith that when your kids one day put you in the ground, your kids will be able to say about you, mom and dad, they were people of faith. Mom and dad, they crossed rivers for God. Mom and dad, they built things for others. Mom and dad were people of faith. I want to be there. How about you? Amen? I want that to be said about me. People of faith. So as we begin to talk about our vision to help us accomplish our mission, let's leave here today and say, God, that's the first step, to be a person of faith, not fear. God, I choose to be a person of faith. Let's bow before the Lord. So I pray this prayer Would you think about praying it in your heart with me. Lord, I choose this, this morning to have eyes of faith, to be a person that trusts you. I choose to move forward as you lead. God, I don't have all the details yet. I haven't gotten a report about what it's going to cost. But I know that you are bigger than any problems we might encounter. So today I choose to have eyes of faith to help us get beyond ourselves and consider the interests of others. Father, I thank you that we get to be here at this time in history. I thank you that we get to consider what we can do together to reach others. Lord, we don't want to get to heaven and say, I wish I would have done more. Lord, we want to get to heaven and say, we gave it all we had. And we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we lift this vision to you. Lead us, we pray in Jesus' name.